everyone. Uh, welcome to Cabra Matters because Cabra Matters to God and to us. And I'm joined by Pastor Will, uh, Pastor Hien. And uh, every week, just uh, in case you don't know, uh, we spend time opening up God's Word. And, uh, and we also uh, answer some questions uh, that are left over from Sunday. And so we hope they will be helpful for you, uh, edifying. Uh, this week, particularly, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 5, which is quite a heavy passage. Uh, so uh, if you do get an opportunity, uh, try to open it up uh, and have it in front of you as we discuss. Uh, if not, just listen in. I guess that's also okay. Uh, and our question, uh, we'll just be discussing one question, uh, which was left over from yesterday, which we think would be helpful if we put a bit more thought uh, and discussion into it. And that question is idolizing financial security versus stewardship. So I uh, hope you stay tuned in. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, God's Word now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 to 13. You want me to read? Yeah, I've got the CEV, so... Sounds okay. good. <laughs> it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that does not even occur among pagans. A man is his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and put out of your fellowship, the man who did this. Even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you in spirit. And if I'm already part, I have already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as I, if I were present. When you're assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over Satan, so that the sinful nature may be destroyed, and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of uh, the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, a Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, or with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people, not at all mean the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or idlers. In that case, you will have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral, or greedy, or an idolater, or a slanderer, or a drunkard, or a swindler. For such a man do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Let me pray uh, as we discuss God's word. Uh, Father, we thank you for what you have uh, written down here for us. Uh, we pray that you may help us uh, to uh, hear what you are saying. And we pray that you may give us courage to live it out. And we pray that as we do this, that it may be for your glory. And pray that as we discuss uh, these matters uh, here, that you may give us wisdom and insight uh, to do what is best uh, for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, so questions, observations. This seems like quite a full-on passage. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of uh, church discipline going on here. Casting out the immoral person. Hmm. Mm. Verse 5 here says, You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, 
so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Mm. What does that mean, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean, Will? What does that mean? Yeah, that's something I need to, need to work out mm. what it means. Mm. Handing over to Satan. Has it, has it happened anywhere else in the Bible? Like the kind of phrasing of handing over to Satan? Uh, want to be? Point to me one, I think has something similar. Uh, so Hymenaeus, yeah. so ch chapter one, verse 20. Um, I'll just read a bit before that. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Doesn't really tell us what yeah, I wonder whether it's similar to um, what Jesus says in Matthew 18 about, you know, when someone sins and you go and talk to them mm. and if they're unrepentant, you bring another, a few other people to talk to them. If they're unrepentant, then, um, you know, bring them out to the church. And if they're still unrepentant, then you treat them like, like a tax collector, mm. you know? So it's kind of like, I think, you know, I don't think Jesus means if you treat them like a tax collector, you hate them and that's it. But it's like, you know, they treat him as a believer, and you want you hope your hope for them is to to come to repentance and faith mm. in Christ. Mm. Uh, like the verse in, in context there is talking about the man, and the man is talking about is in verse one mm. is, is a man who sleeps with his father's wife. Mm. It may not be his mother, <laughs> yep. but maybe. So that's the, the, the context is in, and, and, and Paul uh, goes, goes further in, um, in verse 9. Mm. In verse 10, right? So he's focusing on the sexual immorality sort of sins, mm. not, 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 not really focusing on any other. Like in verse 19, it, it speaks about idolatry and slanderers mm. um, as well, but uh, in, in this particular context, it's just really the sexual immoral uh, who sleeps with his sons. Mm. And I wonder what is so significant for Paul this sin just draws this sort of sort of, sort of condemnation out. Um, what is it? Uh, and I'm just thinking about Ephesians chapter two, where uh, I'll talk about marriage, where God and the church is a representation. Well, yeah, representation of marriage. How that is a very intimate uh, relationship, and if. if that is Paul, Paul's like ultimate sort of like you know, high view of marriage. Then this this kind of thing happening here is like a breaking of that covenant, mm. a breaking of the, the church and God's relationship. Mm. And so, if, if that's in, in breaking that relationship, Paul thinks not that like you know he, he hammers down to end that person that you're saying. Mm. So he like you know, really hammers them. So I just wonder, yeah, the reason behind why this is so harshly or so yeah. abruptly. 
Yeah. I feel like there's there's a principle here where like he talks about, you know, the yeast works through the whole yeah. dough. Yeah. So there's a principle here where there's immorality in the church and you kind of want to weed it out so that it doesn't infect the, the, rest, the, of the, the rest of the church. Um, and, and I think like what, what surprises me or stands out for me here is like the beginning of verse six, like, you know, stop being proud. I'm not sure. What, what is your version? Uh, your boasting is not good. Yeah. So, so it seems like they're boasting about it in some way. Mm. Um, you know, how could someone, how could they boast about this? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's worse than like this, this kind of immorality isn't even heard of in the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like the, the depth of the immorality here is even worse than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and they are somehow proud or boasting about it. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, this, this is not on it. This can't be. So mm-hmm. um, you better cast him out so that it doesn't in, in, infect everyone else. Um, yeah and so my my like my question that i'm trying to think through is yeah why are they proud you know and my initial thoughts are maybe it's like you know somehow their their understanding of the gospel or their their knowledge um because you know in in elsewhere in first corinthians it says knowledge puffs up and and i think maybe they're using their knowledge um, that you know we're forgiven by Christ, um, or or that um, you know we have the resurrection blessings, and so what we do in the body may not matter, mm. um, because you know there's a resurrection, mm. uh, and then maybe perhaps that kind of thinking has crept in mm. to their thinking, and and impacted their their um, ethics, you know their, how they live out their lives. But the problem is, right at the beginning, Paul says, you know, you guys are called to be saints, mm. holy to God. Um, it's completely different to how they're living out their lives. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, yeah, how could you be proud of, of that? Mm. You know, unless they think, yeah, you know, Christ was crucified. We are forgiven. doesn't matter what we do with our bodies. It's fine. Even in the church, people can say they're Christian and they can still participate in acts that are even... In a sense worldlier than the world. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like that's that can happen. We have examples of it here. Yeah. And yeah. Well, there's real life examples as well, but for their sake don't want to like share it. Mm. Yeah, it happens. And so I guess Paul is like saying here, you gotta do something about that. That can't be that has to be addressed. Yeah. For the sake of the purity of the mm. flock. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that verse five is in context of Christians. Um, sinning in Christian circles, mm. and so when he says hand hand him over to Satan, he's like, consider him not a Christian, so that you can evangelize or talk to him. Because that's uh, verse like verse nine and verse ten says, you know, I have written not to social, not meaning you know people of the world. Mm. I'm writing to those mean brothers, Christians who call themselves Christians mm. and do these things. Yeah. And so in a way, it's trying to, it's loving. Mm. But what Paul is writing is, is loving um, to, to cast that person out into the world, over to say that per se, mm. so that we can associate with them and bring their spirit back. Mm. 
Whereas here, the brothers, you don't even, like he says, we're such a man, do not even eat. <laughs> so, does not even eat gives you the impression that there's no fellowship mm. with that person. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on like, how do you think this works out in practice like, for our church? Because I can see this going bad. <laughs> like, it could be taken to an extreme. You know, you, it, someone could take this and then just say, you know, you guys are so sinful, we don't even associate with you. And you're like, is that like an overreaction, an over, like a misapplication of like, this passage? Um, yeah, be keen to tease that out a bit more. Like, what would, how, did, how would this work out in practice? Like, in church? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it comes back to thinking through um, what Jesus has said. So, like, and, and in Galatians as well, you know, restore, restore, and um, what's it called? A person is caught in sin, right? You who are spiritual. Mm-hmm. Restore, restore. Yeah. And so, so it's not like our first response <laughs> is to go, see you later. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore because mm-hmm. you're, you know, you've got a bit of sin, in, you know. Mm. And there's there's a little bit of self self um, reflection as well, like you know, before you 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 tell someone about their sin, you know, look at yourself, you know, you got yeah. plank in your own eye, kind yeah. of thing. You don't just walk into a gathering and do like a mic drop, hey everyone, you're so <laughs> sinful. Yeah, like that's not the first step, <laughs> even though you might think that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think I think there's there's you know you, you, we talk to each other, but but once once it comes to this point where unrepentant and and also like mm. boasting about it mm. yeah there's, there's there's actually wrong theology and wrong um, ethics there okay, so. mm. yeah. well not wrong but bad theology mm. I guess yeah. mm-hmm. and I think uh, we don't do it well practically in, in, in past experience mm. yeah um, I think so. Because I feel like it, you know, we we would feel um, hesitant to to exercise church discipline because mm. we're like, oh, you know, we don't want to come across as Pharisaic or judgy. Mm. Um, but Paul's pretty comes down pretty strong here. He's like, you got to cast them out, man. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever really um, experienced or seen much church discipline happen, mm. except for. When, when it seems like it's gone badly, like, you know, um, in the past we think we see, oh, these leaders have been like dating non-Christians. Okay, step down. And then after that, there's no, there's no follow-up. Mm. Just step down and then they kind of just end up leaving the church and that's it. Mm. Um, yeah. Maybe then a follow-up question could be, well, how can we church discipline well? Mm. <laughs> yeah, because... The point of it is not just to leave that negative mark. Like, hey, you're cast out. See you later. Yeah. Like that's real. That's again not living out what this is saying here. Um, it's like yeah, cast this person out, but then at the same time, you want to work towards helping them, you know, be restored to the Lord. But is it talking about because you you mentioned unrepentant? Because mm. mm. someone who's sinful or or whatever. Struggling with a certain sin, or, or someone just dating a non-Christian, um, is that unrepentant? <laughs> it's hard, right? Because um, the last uh, verse thirteen, this is expel. Like this is like the final word, Paul, and this happened. Expel the wicked man yeah. from among you. So it's wicked man. So so this man is is wicked right through. 
There's like there's no um, room for this man or this man thinks in a certain way or acts in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's who he is, like, you know. And Paul says to expel this wicked man. So is someone who is a Christian who struggles with some particular sin is a wicked man. Well I've heard it I've heard it said that this is like someone who struggles with a gross sin. Like it's like a, it's not just like any sin. This is like a gross sin. I don't know. That's a whole other can of worms. Like, do you grade or level different sins? Yeah. But it's not just any sin that's being talked about here. It's like this is pretty serious mm. and pretty obscene, and the person's celebrating it and boasting about it. Yeah. So it's not just as simple as someone who's struggling with an addiction, for example. Um, it's actually it's, it goes a step further than that. They're struggling with, um, well, they're celebrating this, these obscene acts. Mm. within the church and at that point it's like yeah step in <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm just gonna jump on my hobby horse for a little bit <laughs> because okay. of um uh, covid so it's, it's a covid hobby horse and it's it's kind of like going well it's really hard to be able to speak into each other's lives um and to you know you can do because now we're not gathering mm. and we're not in, we're not in each other's lives um, it's hard to be able to, to confess our sins to one another. Mm. Um, it's hard to, to um, you know, speak into each other's lives and say, hey, you know, what you're doing here is, is against God. Mm. Um, we need to repent and, and restore each other. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to do that because we're not in each other's lives. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I guess... That's why gathering is so important, <laughs> you know, in some, in some way, um, being in each other's presence, sharing lives together. Mm. Uh, yeah. And so we hope to be able to, to do that as, as a church and move towards that rather than yeah, just creating content for people to listen mm. to, you know, maybe there's other ways to, to gather or other ways to, to catch up and keep each other accountable, um, and to, to pray for one another, um, and yeah, I want to encourage yeah those who are listening to to be thinking about that. Like, how can how can I um, you know help a brother or sister who's struggling with sin if if I'm not in their lives? Mm. You know, how how can I pray for them? How can I restore them? How can I help? You know, how can I be helped? You know, and and, and it's really easy to now that we're all separate and doing our own thing. Mm. You know, it's easy to hide sin. It's easy to, to do that. Um, yeah, so I don't know where I'm going with this, but it just feels like gathering and, be, and being in each other's lives is important. That's, that's how God made us to be. Yeah. I recognize with 1 Corinthians 5, there's, like, there's so much more that we could talk about. Mm. Um, but yeah, we could spend hours. Mm-hmm. But... In my, in my mind, I see this as, this is my handbook for church discipline. If, if there are issues that come up uh, that require church discipline, I'd come here and I'd go to those Matthew passages where, where Jesus you know, speaks of um, you know, how to, uh, what was it, rebuke, you know, meet, meet once and then bring another person and then in public and then cast out. There's like an order that he has and that's in Matthew somewhere. Matthew 18? Yep. Um, yeah. So if there's any issues in regards to church discipline, I'd start there. Um, I think for me, I'd, 
these passages compel me to take church discipline seriously and not just to actually do nothing. Yeah. Uh, the easy option is to be passive and to do nothing, but look, if there are matters that need to be addressed, then we, we need to address it. As much as we uh, don't like confrontation, uh, don't like it, but um, God's word compels us to. Mm. Yeah, for the sake of the purity of the flock, and for the sake of our church, we need to. Yeah, and there are some ugly cases um, in the past that we can talk about another time or in private, um, if need be. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me also in this passage, I guess there's a there's that self-reflection point as well. Like, you know, immorality in the church is, is a really bad thing. Mm. Um, because I assess my own life. Mm. Like, you know, am I, my, you know, immoral, greedy, what idol worshiper, drunkard, or cheat? Um, slander. Slanderer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Master Russell wouldn't say we're slanderer, but it's very, very subtle in the sense it can be slanderous, it can be banter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like there's a point where you might cross the line, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, maybe okay. We'll, we'll leave it there. If you have more questions, um, please do let us know. You have our contacts. Um, yeah, hopefully that clarifies a few things. If it doesn't, sorry. <laughs> Just let us Wait know. Wait for the sermon. Wait for the sermon. And the sermon's going to... And drill, drill, will <laughs> drill. Uh, with those with your questions. Right, we have another podcast to talk about. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, will, can you lead us in prayer before we? Um, yeah, yeah, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we um, thank you so much for your word. Um, help us, Lord, to um, reflect on our own lives, um, to live according to to your word, um, according to the calling that you called us to be, saints, uh, holy in your sight. Um, help us, Lord, as we. Um, not only just think about, oh, you know, pointing the finger at someone um, and all those other people out there who, who need who need to hear this, um, but help us also to hear this for ourselves um, and, and align our lives and, and repent of our sin um, and turn to you for forgiveness, Lord. Um, Father, help us as a church um, to be um, open and vulnerable with one another um, and to be willing um, to spur each other on to holiness um, because that's what you want us to be. Praise Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so idolizing financial security versus stewardship. All right. That's um that's a big that's a big one. Hmm. Yeah. Cuz the idea of stewardship is is uh, being faithful with what you've been given, right? Like a steward of a household. Like they 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 they're a servant of a master, um, and they are called to to manage the master's um, assets or, or property um, for whose benefit for the master's benefit. Right? Um, and so, if we think about stewardship in that way, you know, God has given us everything that we have, all our resources, our energies. Um, how are we going to be using that uh, for His glory and for His kingdom? Um, yeah. And so it feels like, you know, it may, there, there's points where financial security and stewardship may go against each other, but I think there's probably some overlap as well, right? Um, yeah, so how, how, do we, how do we go about talking about this topic? <laughs> it's just a tricky one because 
financial security, what is even financial security? Is it you know having a mortgage, uh, having a car, uh, having a job that pays you full time? Um, you know, I'm just keen to understand actually what is financial security because there are assumptions there that you know if you have a full time job, you're financially secure. Not really, because you could lose your job, mm-hmm. and we've seen you know COVID hopefully reminds us of that. Um, if you have a home, well, you may not. I mean, that's not your final home. Um, having a home doesn't, in a sense, make you more secure, does it? I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just naive. Um, yeah, what is financial security? Because I think the danger, the dangerous thing here is there are some, like we all bring baggage and assumptions. Uh, I know that I've grown up with my family wanting us to own a home and to you know, have a family, uh, have my own private practice as a physio, um, and that's the that's the version of success. That's what they value. Uh, that's what they really, really value. Um, and I, I think that comes from a place of concern and a place of love, and wanting kids to uh, like us to be financially secure. But I, I just question that because if I truly believe that God is in control, and Proverbs says the heart of man uh, plans the way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Yeah. God is sovereign, <laughs> and um, He provides. Seek first His kingdom. And the rest will be provided. So I don't know. They're my two cents on you know what is financial security, um, and I sometimes wonder if we bring that into scripture rather than let scripture inform us. Mm. Yeah, because stewardship, like the stewardship, like we have, God's given us so much. Like God's given us training. He's given us our homes. He's given us money. Uh, in the West, we have education. We have. A theo- like theo- several theological colleges in Sydney. We've been given so much and so many opportunities. Uh, this is anecdotal, but like I remember someone asked me years ago, it's like, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> like, we've been given so much. Like It's actually, it would only be right and good for us to give back. And I think Sydney is actually really blessed in many ways. And we want to use that to serve the kingdom. And so I guess for me, as I'm thinking, like I've mentioned it several times now, we're, we're thinking through like, home, like whether we purchase a home or not, um, purchasing a second car, it'd be easy to dress that up as saying, oh, we're being godly stewards, or are we really actually just seeking financial security? Um, yeah, yeah, I worry about that. I think um, the, uh, the, the definition or defining prefix is idolizing. Mm. I think well, how, how, how you do, how you uh, uh, describe what is financial security or, or stewardship. I think they're good descriptions, and there's nothing wrong or right. I, I think in, in the Bible, this does say there's nothing wrong or right with, with that. The thing that says wrong or right is the highlighted part. Mm. And so, yeah. So, you're going to come to the question of. Stewardship, okay, we're taught to be good stewards, so that's what the Bible says God's given us. Um, things, mm-hmm. good stewardship, uh, financial security or, or, or wanting financial security, there's nothing wrong with that because people in the Bible, even God gives you sort of financial, well, you can equate it to financial security. When he says he blesses you, um, like the Old Testament, he blesses the land with uh, land flowing with milk and honey. That's almost like security. I mean, financial security because you know he he provides the rains or whatever. And if you don't 
but I go to put in Japan and the land. That the, in a sense is financial security there. Um, but what what was right or wrong is idolizing. I think the I think we've got to define what is idolizing, <laughs> and then go all right. Is it okay, uh, for example, to want a house? And then, is it okay to idolize? Yeah, because I think that's where uh, it's really tricky, right? How do I know if I'm idolizing something? Mm. Uh, it could be, how do I know if I'm idolizing this relationship I'm in? How do I know if I'm idolizing the prospect of owning a home? Mm. Yeah. Well, that's why we got to define idolizing. Yeah. Well, I've got some initial thoughts. Um, like, I think there are some good desires behind um, behind these these things, um, but then they can also lead to you know, simple desires. So, like a good a good desire of you know, owning a home might be. Uh, I remember hearing yeah, Helen sharing this say like for a mom, like to have a place to you know, raise their kids, uh, to serve people like that. Those are good and godly desires. Um, relationship you know, desiring marriage yeah, there's nothing wrong with that it's actually all right it's good um yeah th those are actually good they're good and godly motivations desires behind them but then at the same time they could be mixed with sinful desires uh, potentially like it could be no i have to own this um, i have to be in this relationship i have to, yeah i don't know like, they're my initial thoughts you know? yeah yeah i think i want to be a bit provocative and and um hone in the word security <laughs> right, because who's the source of our security? Mm. Right, God, mm. not not um, owning a home mm -hmm. or having a particular partner. Mm. Um, you know, and going back to your passage in Hosea eight, mm. right, like um, verse eight, Israel, you are now ruined, and now the nations consider you worthless. You are like a wild donkey that goes its own way. You have run off to Assyria and hired them as allies. You can bargain with nations, but I'll catch you anyway. Soon you will suffer abuse by kings and rulers. Mm. So God's, God says, you know, I'm going to judge you or you're in danger, right? So they're in danger. Mm. Um, who's the threat? The threat is, is you know, the Babylonian Empire mm. coming through or the, or the, yeah. And then they go, well, how are we going to secure our safety? How, where we're going to find our security, mm. where do they go? They go and make allies with, with, with Assyria. Mm. Um, they, you know, talk to other nations for, for security mm. and, and they're not seeking their Lord. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and I think this also reminds me of uh, Matthew 6, where Jesus talks about not storing up treasures on earth mm. um, and, you know, not to seek after the things that the Gentiles seek after. And, and the point is, where do we get our security from? Like we, we can seek first God's kingdom because God is the one who provides for us. Um, yeah, so I think, I think perhaps, you know, owning a home or, or, or you know, having investments um, or having savings in the bank. I think some of these things, yeah, you know, God has given us. Obviously, God has given to us and, and given to us for... For, for us to use um, ultimately it comes from God and so we, we need to acknowledge that it's God who, who secures us and we are safe in his hands and we're not safe because 
of money, or we're not safe because of, you know, being able to own a home. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think you just want to, yeah, you know, challenge the idea of security. Um, and I think from the Bible, it's, it's, yeah, it's acknowledging that it's from God and it is God who gives us security. Um, and if we seek these things to be secure, then I think that's where it kind of tips over towards idolatry. idolatry. Mm. Yeah. Because I think, I guess what you can think about is one, one way of testing that is what will happen, how would I feel, what would happen if it was taken away from me? Right. Mm. So if you own a house and that's one of God's ways of helping you to, to, to be secure, I suppose, but then it gets taken away, mm. How would you respond, right? And if you're okay, it is well with my soul. <laughs> you know, still have God, um, and a trust in God. Then, then yeah, you're not idolizing your home. Um, but if if your world comes crashing down because you know you lost you lost your home, um, and now you feel like you're not secure anymore, or maybe to the point where you might blame God, um, then I think. That's an indicator that you were putting too much faith, so to speak, in worldly treasures for security. Mm. It's a good litmus test because you could extend that not just into possession, but objects, or possession could be in you know relationships, mm. like pursuing a relationship, for yeah. example. But I'm not saying that we should be stoic about you know if my partner passes away. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this should be okay. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, obviously I can be sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. But well, what is our response? Do we turn to God or do we... Yeah. Mm. Mm. Or hell breaks loose because we lost this thing that we value so much. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I was thinking of... Uh, the word content when you talk about security there hmm. um, yeah when you learn to be content then regardless of if you've got more, many or you've got less um, you know where things come from which is security because you're content you don't want more you don't want less I mean like it's not you don't want more <laughs> hmm. I think that's that's the wrong application of that when the horse says in the in the Galatians I can't remember now where he says he's content now Philippians chapter three, four, yeah. But he, he learned the secret of contentment. Mm. Um, and his strength is in God. Mm. I've been reading a bit of Martin Lloyd Jones, Spiritual Depression. Partially because Will's read it. I'm like, I need to read it. <laughs> and I've been talking about it a lot. Yep. Um, and he's got a really good chapter in there about feelings. Yeah. He says some hopeful and insightful things like, you know, the person who seeks happiness will never be happy. Um, and I think, well, where is he getting that from? Uh, I was like, oh, he got it from Matthew 6, uh, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the point he was making was, you know, if you're going to seek to be happy, you won't get it. If you keep seeking God and keep seeking doing what is right in his eyes, happiness will be added to you. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, so that changes how I approach you know, potentially getting a home loan, 
changes how I approach relationships. But in my relationship, I'm not seeking to make my family happy. If I seek to make my family happy, I will destroy them. Um, I'm seeking actually to do what's pleasing to God and seeking to do what's right in His eyes. And as a result of that, well, there are some days where we'll be happy, some days that will be hard and disappointing because, you know, we're sinful and broken. Um, I think as well as it's, as I'm thinking about processing still the home loan stuff, it's like, well, seeking first His kingdom and doing what is right in His eyes, the rest will be added. So I can trust in that promise um, rather than just trying to find what fits me mm-hmm. or what's good for me. It's actually well, what's good for God's kingdom, uh, what's pleasing in His sight. Mm. Yeah. The thing as we talk about this, um, the Christian viewpoint is that you know, don't seek uh, treasures or, or, or whatever. And then people apply that in practice, but okay, I won't get to work or I won't be, um, uh, you know, too, too uh, advantageous or, or, you know, I'll just have nothing unless I can and I'll do nothing sort of thing. That's how they're, I think the application of that, I think uh, is, is going the opposite way of what God really wants you to do. And that, that touch on to stewardship, right? Mm. God, if God's given you the ability to work, and if your work makes heaps of money, well, that's what God's given you, and you need to grab that. But then you need to be able to be a good steward. But how, yeah. how do you be a good steward in that, in that sense if God's given you like, you know, a high-paying job or whatever, and you get lots of money? Mm. Do you spend that money most of yourself, or do you spend that money so that God's given and, and how, how you spend it to further God's kingdom um, is when you love people and spend it for people. Mm. Or, or more specifically, when Paul says in Galatians, you know, love brothers more, <laughs> especially loving those of the household, God's household, mm. uh, which is providing for those household, God's household, which is mm. brothers and sisters. Mm. And that's good stewardship. Whereas... Those who's given that gift are making lots of money or ability to work in a high-paying job, for example, and they're saying, "Nah, <laughs> mm. I'm, I'm not. I don't. Uh, God says me not to store up treasures, so I'm not going to want this high-paying job, and I'm not going to be, you know, um, doing that thing. I'm just going to do whatever so that I just meet my minimal needs." And then, because you're meeting your minimal needs, that just defeats the purpose of why <laughs> God's giving you the gift. Because you're supposed to help other people as well as meeting the minimum needs. But yeah, I, I think uh, I see it a lot. I see, I see it a lot in my time. People have taken that and socialism heaven the opposite way, mm. and then they're not they're not good stewards. They say they are because you know they don't want this and that. They're, they're not idolizing money or they're not idolizing the house or whatever. Mm. But then. I don't think sometimes that can be to being a, uh, a potential good steward to be a bad steward. There's like a negative and a positive. Yeah. The negative is, yeah, don't step swap treasures. But the positive is then invest in <laughs> treasures in heaven. Yeah. Seek first God's kingdom. Use what God has given you to yeah. serve him. So, so the opposite of not idolizing riches is not, is not, not having riches, right? But it's not, but it's to... Then invest. What do you invest in? Invest in 
the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, Luke 16. It's uh, quite a interesting parable. You know, the dishonest manager, mm-hmm. he was going to get like sacked. Yeah, so he goes and like, you know, writes down all the debts. And then, yeah, then the, the point, the point is like, you know, use, how are you going to use the, the world's money? Like worldly money, how are you going to use that? If you can be trusted with that to, to, to be able to, you know, further God's kingdom, then you'll be trusted with more. And how can you be trusted with anything if you can't be trusted with worldly money? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any final closing encouragements, helps, advice, words of prophecy? Learn the secret of contentment. <laughs> I had someone pray for me the other week um, and he prayed that I would be have been in a state of joyful contentment he didn't say that to put me down or anything but it was just I appreciate that prayer it just reminded me yeah to be joyful and content in mm-hmm. whatever situation I'm in mm-hmm. could just be content without being joyful <laughs> but to have both like, yeah all right. Well, we might wrap it up there. Um, thanks for tuning in. You know, if you have more questions, feel free to uh, text us, get in contact with us. Uh, we pray that um, this episode has been helpful for you in thinking through at least a few things. Um, yeah, and please do like, comment, subscribe, and uh, we hope to see you next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>